right. Welcome to the Yak Legion podcast with Brad Hicks and Zach Carell. I know this episode's kind of new. We're uh, trying the YouTube video deal. We're going to record some of our podcasts and put them on YouTube as well. Um, today we got Jason Ricketts on from Jackson Kayak Team. Uh, how's it going, man? Good, brother. How are you? Oh, pretty good. How's it going, Brad? Uh, doing pretty good. A little under the weather, but I'm all right. Well, good deal. Good deal, man. Yeah. I know you had, uh, you guys had an eventful weekend yesterday fishing down there on, uh, the great, great Miami river. You and uh, your friends, Brad. Yeah, it was fun. Caught a rare river pike and caught some small mouth on top water. So can't beat that. Did you do any we uh fishing this weekend there, Jason? No, no, none. I uh was I was thinking about doing it yesterday but ended up running around and doing some errands and getting some tackle that I needed. So my last river outing I lost some tackle. Um my my P line let me down and I set some stuff sailing through mm-hmm. the treetops. So uh, I had I to go out to that American that. tackle. I did. American tackle Bushido, twenty pound fluorocarbon. It's yeah. uh, tie, ties really nice. It ties really nice. Yeah, so, I need to get me some of that. You do, man. It's uh, so my uh, my double uni knots are about the same size as um, the ten pound P line I was using, like the the knot thickness. So yeah, it's working out pretty good so far. You have pitching. to show me how to use it. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> it uh, it works great, man. It's super clear too. I was I was pitching a jig out in my front yard yesterday, and the birds were coming down pecking at it, and I was <laughs> I was trying to get my phone to record it as I was pitching it. You know, it was it was pretty neat. But that stuff's great. That's highly awesome. recommend it those like good stuff that kind of story reminds me i saw the most epic thing yesterday man i was sitting on my mama's front porch i seen five sparrows fighting a hawk and it was the most epic battle i've ever seen unfold in front of me <laughs> it was amazing man i think it made my whole weekend like wow. the sparrows won it's like an underdog story man you got these little sparrows whooping up on the hawk it was amazing it is amazing i wish you would have gotten video of it <laughs> man I didn't do any kayak adventure this weekend. I had to spend time with family. And then my wife's been with me about fishing too much. I fished every day last weekend. So I had to kind of do some family things this weekend, kind of hang around the house, visit my mom. But hopefully next weekend I can get on some uh, some kayak adventures for sure. But yeah, absolutely. I'll let you start, start this out, Brad. I know you had a big list of questions for Jason. And uh, I got some questions too, but... Uh, We'll go ahead and get you started on uh, some things you want to ask the guy. All right, cool. I was just going to start. How did you get into kayak bass fishing, and what was your first kayak? Uh, First kayak I bought for Bass Pro, I want to say it was probably six years ago. It was an Ascend FS10, if I remember right. It was a sit-in side. So Mm -hmm. I think it was the FS series. Uh, I bought that, and I was super stoked. So a, a couple of friends of mine were kayaking. And they had like the uh, sit inside kayaks with the skirts on them, you know, mm-hmm. kind of a, a mix between recreational and whitewater kayaks. And I saw them posting up on Facebook all the time. And I'm like, man, that looks fun. I want to, I want to get me a kayak. So Father's Day, I finally, um, thanks, thanks to my wife, I was uh, able to purchase my first ca- kayak from Bass Pro after scouting them for a little while. So I, I think I paid like 500 bucks. And um, yeah. that Father's Day, my buddy's like, hey, man, we're hitting the water let's let's go you're invited i said cool man so i didn't have a i didn't have a trailer or even a truck at the time right so i had a i had a nissan altima and um i bothered my father-in-law's truck 
threw the kayak at the back of it and went down to a little Miami River. There's a, a launch there called Carl Rahi Launch. Now, typically, Carl Rahi Launch, when you, when you launch out of there, you're launching out in inches of water. Inches, mm-hmm. right? To the left, it's all drag. It's a, it's unavoidable. You're going to drag. To the right, it's th- it's you know inches of water, but then it kind of deepens up and then shallows, and then you're fine. And uh, so we had had like I don't know, maybe eight straight days of rain back then. Like it was it was crazy. So the river was up almost 14 feet. So what what normally is only inches of water was feet at this point in time. Mm-hmm. And so the water level was up in the treetops. So as you can imagine, like, <laughs> you know, my, it, it, these are guys I rode motorcycles with, sport bikes, and we're used to adrenaline and, and stuff like that. I was like, hey, no problem. We can handle this. It's just water. <laughs> <laughs> it was the dumbest decision I ever made. Uh, the, one of the smart things I, I actually did do was have a life vest on. And it went just uh, just any typical life vest. It was like a, a water sports life vest. So it fastened, had multiple fastens, you know, mm-hmm. and it fit me pretty tight and, and it was snug. So uh, I'm looking at that river and I'm like, man, I don't know about this. I started having second doubts or second thoughts, you know, and like that water is just raging, dude. It was so high. It was just raging. So my one buddy, he goes down the water and he launches and he's gone. Uh, his, his dad launched, he was on a sitting top side kayak and he went and whew, he was gone. I said, okay, cool, man. I got this. So I had sat down inside mine. First time I was ever in a kayak and it just kind of scooted my way to the water. <laughs> and then the, the, the current started taking me sideways. Well, as I was going sideways, there was a big tree branch here. Cause mind you, the water levels up in the treetop. So I went to duck like this. And when I ducked, the whole kayak flipped upside down. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, a- and so <laughs> The CFS was something insane, 7,000, 8,000 for that river. That's absolutely insane. Uh, water levels at 40. I hit every treetop going down through there. And, um, you know, one of the things, obviously, was the life vest that saved me. The second thing that saved me is when I went whitewater rafting, they tell you, you ever go out, float, and put your feet out in front of you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was doing that, and I still had to hold my kayak. I wasn't going to let go of this $500 kayak I bought. But then my legs started getting tangled in the treetops, and it, it pulled me under a couple times. Whew right so i'm like oh my god and i finally got my legs free put them back in front of me and then my buddy's dad had swung around on his kayak got to the shore and stuck his paddle out and when he stuck his paddle out i was able to grab his paddle grab my my uh boat and, and pull myself to shore but my legs were like battered and bruised and I, you know i sat there i was like man i just i just almost lost my life on father's day trying to get into this kayak fishing sport right uh-huh. and, and so his dad had to talk to me he goes listen man he goes, uh, you don't have to go through with this. You know, you don't have to go through with it. I said, I'm done. So I, I made my way back through the through the woods with a uh, kayak and uh, got back to the truck and went home. <laughs> and little did I find out that my buddy actually was so scared after seeing me go in the water, he scrambled up a riverbank. It was hiding up on top of the hill because of water. So the whole thing was just stupid. Um, lack of experience, you know what I mean, mixed with stupidity mm-hmm. and, and a cheap kayak. Now, do I recommend ever doing that? No, but could I handle that today? Absolutely. In a premium <laughs> kayak, I could have nailed that any day of the week. But so my my first getting into kayak fishing sport was, you know, life endangering. So yeah, um, I hated that kayak so much. I hated that kayak because even <laughs> even on any other outings, like yeah, I went to East Fork Lake and it was it was perfectly calm and flat. I couldn't sneeze without the thing wanting to tip over. It was the most ridiculous thing in the world, and it wouldn't go straight. It would not track straight to save your life, and it's a 10-foot <laughs> kayak. So you paddle, and it would just go like this, 
Yeah. Like a rudder. Yeah. Oh, it drove me insane. I hated it. I ended up trading that for pistol. Mixed mixed reviews about the Ascend kayaks. Good yeah. and bad. Honestly, I've heard more bad about their instability. Yeah. They're terrible. It, it, you know, this is not me brand bashing by any means. I'm talking about my own personal experience. I'm sure yeah. individuals out there have had better experiences, and that's fine if they have. I'm, this is my personal opinion experience. It was, it was terrible. So I, I traded that for a gun. And, uh, <laughs> oh, what kind of gun did you trade it for? <laughs> a Smith & Wesson. Smith & Wesson MVP. So, oh, yeah, I, I traded that up. And um, and so the rest of the season, I didn't have a kayak. But I, I was all kind of on the fence. Do I want to stay into this or do I just let it go? You know, because I, I go through so many hobbies. It's it's unreal. <laughs> uh, so I was watching more more YouTube videos. And I started researching, you know, what's the most stable kayak. Because at the time, I was probably pushing 260 or 270. I was, I was a lot bigger than I am now. And so then I come across the big rig. Everybody's doing YouTube videos on the the OG big rig, right? And I was like, cool, man. You know, I started searching big rigs in Cincinnati for sale. And I got on Craigslist and then I found Loveland Canoe and Kayak. And I was like, oh, okay. I never heard of Loveland Canoe and Kayak, right? Where Where's that? I heard of Morgan's Canoe because where I went to school at, Morgan's was a livery down in, in that town. And never heard of Loveland Canoe and Kayak. So I called and then went down there. And that's the first time I met Mark, the owner. And he had this beautiful Dorado Jackson Kayak big rig in there. The matching Dorado 25-quart Orion cooler. And he goes, hey, um, you know, this is I've had this for a couple of years. It was a demo. This is what I can do for you. And he goes, do you need a paddle? I said, yeah, yeah, no, I need a paddle too. So he, he hooked me up and he gave me a killer deal. I got the... Uh, the kayak, the cooler, and the paddle all for, you know, way cheap. Um, and then, so, my first outing on the big rig was at East Fork Lake Crappie Fishing. I fell in love. It was night and day difference. You oh, know, yeah. It, so, I was able to build my, my confidence up. And uh, from there, it's been downhill. Five, I think five months later, I ordered a custom kayak from him. Hmm. And blew him up on social media for him taking care of me. And, and then he called me one time. I think I was on my way out of town, maybe on a little vacation or something. He called me. He goes, hey, man, uh, you know, I'm looking for somebody to kind of represent us in the area. Do you know anybody being inter- interested? And it, it was kind of a fishing question, you know. Uh, so I was like, yeah, it's me. He goes, I was hoping you'd say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the rest That's has awesome. been history, man. So I've had uh, – I, I work hard for the guy, uh, rep him. You know, I, I, I rep him every single day. It's a it's a second full-time job. And, yeah. Uh, you know, that's been, I guess that's going on about six years now. So that's how I got into it, man. Kind of a crazy story. But. It is crazy. Yeah, it is, man. Mark is Mark is a cool guy. I like him a lot. He's a really good guy. It's, it's, uh, in six years, I've never, I think there's only one person that, uh, said anything bad about him. I and mean, the one person we've, we've have kind of like a shop rift with, it's another shop that's in the area. But, yeah. Um, he's, he's a great guy, man. He is a yeah, super he is. guy. I know I met him at the first Loveland Canoe and Kayak tournament you guys put on, and he seemed like a, just a real genuine fellow. Yeah. Uh, real nice guy. And, you know, I said thanks for putting on the tournament and hoping he'd do some more th- throughout the year. And, uh, he's, you know, everyone down there at the Loveland Canoe and Kayak, y'all seem like real good people. Y'all are be- definitely passionate about kayak fishing, just like we are. And, Absolutely. Uh, you guys do a lot for the community down here, for the kayaking community. And, you know, make new people, uh, new kayak fishermen all the time. People come out there and try out kayaks, and they they get instantly get addicted to it, man. 
Absolutely. That's what we're all about, man. We are all about it. Well, the cool thing about our shop down there, too, is that um, if, if you ever just want to stop by and try a kayak out, we're right on the water. So it's free to demo it. We'll put you right on the water right then and there. But if you want to make a trip out of it, I know other locations, they charge you 100 bucks to do that. Uh, $100 to take you out, meet with you, let you demo the kayak, and that's it. You know, And for me, I think it's kind of outrageous to, to charge that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we offer that for free, personalized uh, lesson on your kayak right there on the water. And then if you ever want to rent it for like a half day, like a five-mile trip, it's only $45. And if you decide to buy it, that $45 goes towards the uh, price of the kayak. So, wow. um, yeah, it's it's really cool. We really take care of our people down there, man. So, Yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, yeah, awesome thing you stuck with uh, ki- uh, uh, kayak fishing and not getting uh, – you know, not getting frustrated with it after your accident, first time with it, you know, uh, you, uh, you do stuff for blue sky now, I know. And, uh, Jackson, uh, you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, uh, February, it was February of this year. Now, mind you, I've been repping Jackson in Cincinnati, uh, through Mark as an ambassador for five or six years now. Um, and then this year I decided to start the Loveland team, right? And we uh, we came on as a title sponsor for Michigan Ohio Kayak Trail, and mm. we uh, helped put on the Indian Lake tournament. Well, at first it was Kaiser, and then it became Indian Lake. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, Aaron uh, Aaron Steiger caught wind of everything that I was doing down here, and then offered us the title sponsorship to to jump on board. And then he and I chatted, and he goes, "Man, it's a no brainer." He goes, "You're you're killing it down here. I want to bring you on board with Jackson directly." I said, yeah, that's great, man. I was pumped up, right? Because <laughs> now you're going going right to the brand. So, um, uh, you know, I said, hey, uh, keep me posted about Blue Sky. I know you guys just launched, you know, Blue Sky. And the next day he called me. He goes, hey, man, um, you said something about Blue Sky. Is that something you'd be interested in? Said, Absolutely. He goes, so it's done. You're on the team. You know, you're one of 10 people on the entire globe right now on Blue Sky team. <laughs> that's awesome. Wow. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> so I was like, man, done deal. Uh and I busted my butt ever since repping them. And uh, I'm on social media every single day, every single day, all hours of the day. <laughs> I was about to say you took over their blue sky Instagram. You told I did. Me, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So it was a blue sky Instagram takeover. So now I'm in charge of the, uh, the blue sky page for now. Um, you know, I'm helping, I'm helping the main media guy out. I don't know how long it'll be, but for right now it's, it's in my hands. So pretty yeah, cool. stuff, awesome. man. Yeah. So I got a, uh, the work is unreal, right? I mean, you, you think about repping a brand and, and to the general public, you're like, yeah, that sounds awesome, but you don't understand the work that's behind it. It's more than just smiling with a fish in your hand. You know, it's a, you got to be very active on the Facebook groups. You have to, but the forums, if you see somebody post a problem, you got to, you know, try to respond to that problem to help get it resolved and work with the customer service and mm-hmm. a lot of team exposure and dealers in the area, a little bit of traveling, a lot of Facebook stuff and a lot of Instagram stuff. So, I mean, it's, it's, it is a second full-time job. You got to work really hard at doing. And that goes for any team you're on. Like for me joining team Bonafide, I'm not like a regional guy or anything, but I could I could do some similar stuff like that. Absolutely. So we we have a set of perks, you know, that we yeah. it's, it's not to be disclosed. Obviously, it's within the team, but we have some great stuff within, you know, that compensates us and and rewards us for for our work and stuff. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm a guy if I say, "Hey, I'm going to do something and I give you my word I'm going to do it." You're going to get 110% out of me all the time with it. It's never going to be, you know, 
half butt. It's it's going to be all or nothing, you know. Yeah, I'm the same way. I got a lot of drive when it comes to kayaks. <laughs> yeah, me too. Oh, yeah. That's what you got to have. It's it's somebody else, even with with Mark and Loveland Canoe and Kayak. I mean, his business it, it, it depends on not the whole business, but the fishing aspect depends on what I'm doing. It depends on me to to get out there and create the exposure. So I've pretty I've taken over the whole fishing side of his business and the marketing and everything you know i i will draw it all up and present it to him and if he likes it it gives me a thumbs up and i go live with it you know so that's awesome hence, hence the fishing team you know yeah so. so i got a question for you um now about the fishing did you fish before you kayak or did you fish after you got into kayaking oh i've been fishing my whole life um so as a kid we used to go down to florida um sometimes for the entire summer and then come back so i've I've been saltwater fishing freshwater fishing i've done it all so throwing cast nets you know catching catfish i've always had a huge love for big catfish oh me uh, too brother i saw you <laughs> catching that cast net we went out to east fork last weekend and yeah that's I, right yeah, you've thrown in a time or two <laughs> yeah absolutely it uh it, on the blue sky it was, it was a little challenging just because i kept getting snagged all over everything so um Generally, when I'm on a kayak, I'll take the seat and I'll take everything off of it. So it's just like a flat platform. I'll go out, and I'll catch my bait, come back in, and then load up, right? But on the, on that time, I had all my fishing poles, my my paddle, the seat, the fish find, I was, and then everything all over my vest. I was just getting snagged up left and right. But the, all the wave runners were busting up the bait, too. And we had a heck of a time that trying to find nuts. it. That yeah. was nuts, man. It was like two, three foot waves hitting us in that. The wind was whipping probably 20 miles an hour, and you had jet skiers, and you had the pleasure boaters. And, but, it man, we insane. saw them catfish. They were busting the surface, rolling the surface, man. And Big time. That, that's what kept us out there for so long. I think we, <laughs> we would have been done if we weren't seeing them cats, but that was that was a nice day, man. I want to go back bad. That's yeah, we will. We'll mind. definitely go back. Is that why they don't do tournaments on that lake, just because of the busyness and the waves? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the number one reason. I've seen the bass boat tournaments out there at East Fork. Yeah. Uh, kayak tournament out there. But I have seen, and uh, I knew the Boar's Head down there in Batavia, they do crappie tournaments um, out there at East Fork. So there's a few crappie fish on that lake. For crappie I, think the, I think the most part, people are intimidated by East Fork because at some points it's like 100 feet deep, right? Mm -hmm. And it's such a big, busy lake that kayakers just, they don't want to mess with it. But... Uh, there's some good fish in there, and there's some really good hybrid fish in there. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I've heard. And there's yeah. some places at Eastport you could get away from the bigger boats. There's a Absolutely. lot of tributaries. There's a lot of coves. Um, yeah. There's the river that flows into it. You don't really see a lot of people flying up and down those areas of the of the lake, the no-wake areas. So there are some places you can get away from the the, the pleasure boaters out at Eastport. Absolutely, there is. Yeah, you got to know where to go, but absolutely. Hmm. Well, uh you want to talk a little bit about your tournament experiment uh, experience? Excuse me. Yeah. So this year is actually the first time I've ever <laughs> even competed in tournaments. Um, okay. So in my in my in the past, I've always just more of a one on one person. I like that that uh, well, I guess for lack of a better word, intimate fishing experience. You know, yeah. you get somebody new and you're kind of teaching the ropes and you give them that one on one uh, tutorial about how to do stuff, and that's where I've always thrived. You know, a couple of buddies going out there and, and getting exposure for the brand, taking some awesome pictures and just teaching people how to fish. Well, this year with the fishing team, I wanted to kind of take it in a new direction and get into tournament fishing. Um, you know, one thing I struggle with as an individual is that I'm way too competitive. Yeah. Uh, 
So if you put tournament and compete, then it kind of makes it, it's work. It's not fun fishing anymore. It's work fishing, you know, and and that's not something, you know, I have a job where it's, it's really hectic and fast paced, my full-time job. And so, so for me, the, the tournament side of it, I like it, but then I don't, you know, for that very reason, I, I I go out, I want to kind of relax and be fun and, and hang out with the guys, you know, that kind of stuff. I really don't want to feel like I have to, you know, work. To, yeah, to yeah you got a lot of sponsors for somebody that doesn't do tournaments. Like, I always thought, like, you would have to be a, a, a well performer at a tournament to get kind of the sponsors that you're at. Like, how did you manage that without getting your name in the tournament game? Well, uh, you know, I have done some tournaments, um, but besides that, for the most part, people want exposure and, and they want a stand up person to represent their companies. Um, so you don't have to be a big tournament guy to get these sponsors lined up. You just have to work. You have to really work hard. And, and, and I'm, I'm actually kind of glad you, I was thinking about this today. So I'm glad you brought it up about sponsorships and ambassadorships and stuff like that. So that works two ways. All right. So if a company reaches out and says, Hey, would you like to represent us? This is what we can offer you. Uh, you have a decision to make. Now, the decision that you have to make as an individual is you're tying your name on that. So any person that you sell that product to is a direct representation of yourself. Okay. So if that product is something that's that you wouldn't sell your best friend, then don't tie your name on it to get a discount. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And likewise, um, you know, you get a discount, but is the discount worth the time? that you're going to sacrifice representing that company. So Brad, you're, you're uh, uh, some construction like uh, um, carpentry work. Is that what you do? Yeah. Remodeling. Home remodeling. remodeling. So do you bid by the job or do you bid out labor by the hour? Uh, it depends right now we're doing by the hour. Uh, but most, most of the time it's a job. Okay. So what you got to figure out in, in this industry is, is what's your hourly worth? You know, what are you worth per hour? And then factor in how many hours that you represent in that company and then total that up and see what your savings are compared to their discount. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, it's cool to say, hey, I'm, I'm sponsored by XYZ, you know. Uh, oh, that's great. But what is this? What is XYZ doing for you in return for all the hours that you put in for them? So it's a two way street. Right. Uh, every Everybody that I have an association with is companies that I believe in, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I believe in American Tackle. I think they have great products. I think if you ever want to build your rods, um, they have great components. I believe in their Brashito line. I believe in their their crankbait line. I ordered some uh, twisty tail, curly tail grubs from them, and you know, the first time my son throws them out, and he hooks a, you know, he's six years old. First time he threw it out, he hooked a crappie. I believe in their, <laughs> their baits. You know what I mean? Like their yeah. uh, Coyote Polarized, another brand that, uh, that I'm sponsored by. Um, which I was compare them. They look awful sharp. Oh, they're awesome, right? And and so most companies give you a discount. She actually, uh, the lady owns that, sent me free sunglasses. Wow, she's like, that's here, awesome. Here, yeah, try them out. Let me know what you think. And I put them on. It was night and day difference. I was seeing fish all over the place, and they float too. Uh, another company I really believe in. I said, okay, cool. I can tie my name to Coyote Polarize. You know, Power Pole Micro Anchor. Another company. They're well known. They're great. Uh, and the list goes on from there, you know, so it, um, I do a lot of representation for him. If you notice on all my social media tags, they're always tagged in there. Um, you know, I try to make two posts a week minimum with all those guys in there and then talk about it to the public. And I was fishing with, uh, two buddies was it Thursday, I think Thursday night. 
I got home probably about midnight, Thursday or Friday, I can't remember. Uh, one guy, first time I ever met him, said, hey, man, uh, do you have any polarized glasses? He was new to kayak fishing. And I had heard previously that he flipped his kayak a couple times, his, his Hobie, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> it lost a lot of his stuff. <laughs> and uh so i said hey do you have polarized sunglasses he said no i said well here you here here you go now and i gave him the pair off my head i said keep them use them tell me what you think don't worry about them you know if you if you go in there again these are going to float you don't have to worry about losing these so and uh -huh. i gave him a pair and and that's the kind of brand stuff that you're going to do because he's going to wear them and then he's going to share hey would you get these glasses and then it builds and builds and builds and builds so you got to think of it from that marketing side you know, mm -hmm. so all my sponsorships and stuff, and I, I've got some couple more. I've turned some down. I've turned down another fishing team offer because I just didn't feel like it was legit. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'm working on a few more. Some people have reached out. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, you don't want to have too many because then you're doing injustice to all your other ones because you can't yeah. represent the way that, that you should, you know. But also, it, it, you know, I have a couple that I'm thinking about dropping. And I'm dropping them because I'm I'm doing the work for them. The discount's not worth the work, and I'm not getting any representation back. You know, they're not sharing my stuff, mm -hmm. and and that's an issue with me too because that has to be a two-way street. You know, I'm yeah, giving, definitely. I'm giving them a service that I'm putting a lot of hours in for a minimal return. You know, return on investment. Everybody wants to hear that ROI. So, and uh, yeah, man. So if they can't give me back a justified amount in my head what i think i'm worth and what i'm doing for him then obviously it's not going to work out and they can they can find somebody else so it's uh ambassadorships are, are a lot of hard work uh, but they can be rewarding if you're with the right people you know there's a lot of people out there that's going to take advantage of you mm -hmm. oh you're on a fishing team oh man that's great can you know here's what i got it's as soon as they find out you're on a fishing team it's a whole new world so <laughs> yeah well, you'll find we're out all also. on the american <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know i uh i know that austin todd from american tackle appreciates everything because i see that he touches almost every one of my posts that i tag in you know yeah. so and i'm like okay he, he cares and you know he's he's hooked me up with some additional swag and stuff like that so i know that he's he's all in you know and look at yeah. look at what he did for john graves invited him down to icast that's oh, awesome yeah. man yeah we have to have him coming with after he gets back from icast <laughs> <laughs> Uh, gonna be talking about iCast. That's gonna be cool. Yeah, so, yeah. absolutely. Great, great guy too, man. He's very entertaining to <sighs> this with. And, yeah, uh, he is. He's very skilled at what he does. Very often, do. So he's got a new nickname. We call him Crankbait Johnny now. Yeah, <laughs> I <laughs> saw that. that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's a good Johnny. dude. Well, I'm I'm glad you hit on the uh, point about not having to be a tournament hammer to uh, get sponsors. Uh, you don't have to be a big winner to get a sponsor. All you know, you just got to put in the hard work. Yeah, uh, you seem like you know marketing. You got the face for marketing. You know, you you're constantly consistent on Facebook, and uh, that's just purely amazing, man. I mean, I I always thought when I first got into this game, this kayak fishing, I thought, man, you had to be a winner, top ten, top yep. five winner to get these sponsors. Same here. And it just goes to show the hard work and determination. You don't need to be number one. You don't well, you need got, to be the top winner in the tournaments, man. You can have sponsors, and you can get involved in this industry without being a pro. <laughs> Absolutely. So you have to look at it like this, too. Yeah, of course, some sponsors are going to like the pros. Yeah. Um, but in the kayak fishing world, if you look at all the pros, you look at guys that win them, and this is no knock against them because they are phenomenal anglers. I, mm -hmm. I, I hope one day I can be on their level. Um, but you have 
let's say, I don't know how many people are in the world, but let's say the demographic of anglers may be 10% of what's in the world, okay? You have a couple of, of tournament winners who don't get the exposure out on face on social media, but only in their small little group of anglers, okay? Um, so they said, yeah, I got a, I got a power puller, I got a torpedo on my boat, da-da-da-da-da, that's great. So if if you do that and you win a tournament and you say thanks to Power Pole and thanks to Torquedo or whoever else, and it's only within that small click, then you're really not getting the other 10% of anglers that are out there across the U.S. Because none of them, because all of them may not tournament fish, right? Yeah. Not all of them may follow the KBF trail or the Mayo trail or the mm-hmm. Buckeye kayak fishing trail and all that kind of stuff, but they are on social media. So if you do a good job of getting out there and representing the companies on social media, getting twice a week expanding out to the general audience well then you just took those sponsors from a small click of competitive competitive kayak anglers to a whole broad spectrum of just anglers in general you follow me so um there's a lot of people who like to competitively fish but there's a lot more that don't and so what i do is kind of you know yeah i'll i'll appeal to those who may competitively fish and, uh, and um, we'll go to the tournaments and shake hands with them, stuff like that, hang out, show my boat, stuff like that. But I really try to appeal to the general audience that's not competitive anglers because, you know, they matter too. It, you oh, don't yeah. have to be a huge competitor, but, but, and there's a lot of guys out there who don't compete and they use the same products. So where's their representation at? You know, right. I, want, I want to be a representative yeah. for that audience, you know. That's a good, uh, good point. Are you a KBF member? I am. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know if you were or not. Uh, I, you talked about uh, uh, starting your own river trail and becoming KBF affiliated. You got any plans you could share? Yeah. So um, I can't really share them right now, I should say. Uh, there's <laughs> there's some things I'm putting in work. Uh, Aaron and I talked about a few things, and then I might, uh, you know, I might try to get paired up with another trail. Mm-hmm. And if that happens, uh, if I'm on the board for that other trail, then what will happen is we'll have a lake division and a river division. That's what I'm hoping. This is all just, we literally just started whispering this maybe two months ago when I made that post. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, I, I want it to be, I think it's just starting out. If I'm able to do this trail, it's just going to be an Ohio based trail for now. And then we can expand to like Michigan, Indiana, kentucky and west virginia to do all the surrounding states but yeah i'm definitely going to try that out uh, we'll do ohio we'll hit the four corners in central ohio so everybody from all around the state will be able to do it and yeah. uh yeah man you know start that, out doing that makes that me stuff. extremely excited man <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah. i'm ready for it that's awesome I, I know a lot of guys that are ready for river tournaments in this area too absolutely river guys don't get any love you know they don't yeah. we don't get any love at all i'm a i've always been a huge river guy and and uh you know i'm a river guy too that doesn't necessarily post a lot of my catches on social media because i for me when i'm out on the river it's it's an intimate experience and i just want that to be with me you know yeah uh so if, if i ever die i want my ashes scattered on the little miami river right so <laughs> that's and you've river. never fished the great miami either have you ever no uh, i feel like we're gonna I, have to I, keep up here yeah i i do uh actually no i want to take that back have I ever kayak fished the great miami no have I ever fished it just on a bank one time i think oh, okay yeah, no, actually twice. I fished it with a buddy trying to get some saw guy, and then I went on my own. So twice I fished it. But most yeah. of it is most of it's like urban fishing uh, through cities and stuff. But there is a lot of little scenic stretches throughout that river. So yeah, it's nothing like the Little Miami at all. No, uh, I can imagine it's big. It's a big river. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's pretty overwhelming at times, especially through downtown Dayton and Hamilton and stuff like that. Yeah, a lot of low-head dams on it, right? Yeah, they're actually going through the process right now of taking those out. Oh, nice. Yeah, to to restore the river back to its, like, natural state. I heard that that was a thing. Now that all the old-time factories and stuff are not depending on them, that they're going to knock it down. Yeah, Yeah, which... I don't know what it's going to do to any of my spots, but <laughs> yeah, that kind of changes the fishing. I imagine because usually yeah. they had dams are good fishing spots, but they're not exactly safe for kayaks. No. Yeah. So it's kind of a win lose, I guess, for this situation. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we, we portaged around a dam just yesterday on our river trip. So yeah, it was a little tiny low head, but you know, yeah. they're awful dangerous. People, people get killed on them all the time. If you don't notice here. them. Yeah, it's lights out. Yeah, you wouldn't think even like the one that's downtown Hamilton. It's probably only what I think it's an eight foot drop, mm-hmm. if that. You know, but it's what's underneath because you get sucked down inside there and you can't get out. You know, so it's pretty dangerous. The, the stuff. second the second dam in Hamilton's pretty big though. I don't know if you've seen that one. I don't know. I don't know if I have or not. There's actually two down there. The second one's pretty big. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't want to mess with that. Yeah. So, <laughs> have you guys fished the Ohio River? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. See, I live right off the Ohio River. Like, I can hit it with a golf ball. It's that close to me. Oh, I've yeah. fished on there plenty of times. Yeah, it's good fishing. It's a lot of fun. I've been out there on a boat catfishing. I've even take my, took my Hobie out a couple weekends ago out of Shawnee Marina down there in uh, Portsmouth. Yeah, and that's a good place. On the Ohio. And I was, I was impressed with it. It performed well. Um, you got to understand, though, when you get in those big Ohio River currents, Versus like the Little Miami River. I mean, those currents are serious. They're yeah. strong. And, uh, man, I really had to pedal out of them. Uh, once I got going down river and pedaling my way back up, I had to struggle. You know, I'm a big guy myself and not exactly the most athletic type. And uh, my legs were cramping. I mean, it was it was a struggle to get up the river. So that's definitely a, a very new experience, a different experience. In Absolutely. These smaller rivers because those currents are scary and those currents are serious. I oh, think yeah. with anybody that fishes the Ohio for the first time, your best bet is to, when you're first starting out um, your day, you're first starting out your day on the river, is to go upriver yeah. um, because your energy level at the end of a fishing day is kind of down. So if yeah. you have to go against the current when your energy level is kind of down, it's you're not going to have fun getting back. So I would go upriver, then float down. And also bring a buddy and don't go out to the middle of the water. You know, stay to the side if you're yeah. if you're a beginner but uh it there's a lot of good fishing so it's really fun it's not as intimidating as you would think it is i've been on it when it's flooded uh, i fished on it when it's flooded um and i really enjoy the ohio river it's it's dirty in some spots you know hmm. it really makes you kind of sad when you see the garbage build up on the side in some areas you know but yeah there's a lot of good fishing together. yeah I'm, let me know man i'm five I've never minutes been on the ohio. that's awesome well, we got to change that i know <laughs> Well, uh, well, what are your go-to baits for the Little Miami in the Ohio? I mean, get into the fishing. Special? Huh? Uh, get into the fishing question. Yeah, boy. <laughs> uh, so my go-to in Little Miami, uh, this is a well-known guy named Vic Humer, right? And he makes a real soft, fleshy plastic, uh, um, well, obviously soft plastic stuff. It's a paddle tail. And it's gold with black flake on top and kind of like an off white underbelly uh-huh. and i absolutely hammer the small yeah. mouth that's one of my favorite ones but uh-huh. you're only going to get about two hits before it's destroyed all right yeah, me, so me it's and Zach, 
We both use the uh, curly shad quite a bit. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. it's a good one. <laughs> that one is my favorite. Yeah. So the that big one that I think it was like fifteen, I think it was fifteen inch, the one I just caught a couple weeks ago. Um, that was off of a chatterbait, crawl color chatterbait, nice. with a uh, a Z man crawl imitation on the end of it. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I pretty much threw that on top of its head. It didn't take any time for that to hit. And uh, yeah, man. So it's usually my go-to. So a little education on Little Miami River and what they like. There's there's a lot of fish there called darters. And if you ever uh, if you ever just kind of go in the current and just sit still and don't move but look down, you'll start to see them come out of rocks. And they'll do that exactly what their name says. They'll dart. It's a little go from rock to rock to rock. And uh, these fish are brown. They look like a kind of like a golden brown with a little bit of green on them. And then uh, you see a lot of different crayfish and stuff like that. So if you ever read or Steve Coomer's uh, book, The Little Miami River, I don't know if you guys have ever read that or not. Excellent yeah. book. It's like The Little Miami River Bible, right? So you keep that. Yeah. Stuck <laughs> um, one of the things he said is that people use crawl imitations that are too big and minnow imitations that are too small, right? Yep. So you got to think of what you're doing. You're taking, uh, you're taking something that hurts fish and you're making it too big. And you're taking that something that they love to eat and you're making it too small. So as, as human beings, if you see a steak, do you want a four ounce steak or do you want a 20 ounce ribeye, right? What makes sense <laughs> to you? So, um, I, you know, and I took that in, and that's why I like the Z-Man crawl imitation so much, because if you look at them, they're only about this big and they have really small pinchers on them. So the small mouth will, will go and say they find a, uh, a crawfish and they'll start pecking at its pinchers first to kind of rip the pinchers off because they don't have to get their lips all tore up. And so if they find one, they don't have to worry about that. They gobble it up. Well, big minnows, they work phenomenal. So Bass Pro actually uh, makes a jerkbait, shallow water floating jerkbait. And it's like a BP Pro special, attorney special or something. You get them for a couple bucks, you know, and I buy them up because they're gold. Uh, They're gold and kind of remind me of that uh, that darter that goes out there, that brownish gold color. And I'll use that. And and, uh, I do really well in those too. So they go through the water really good. So say you're going down Little Miami River, the birds are chirping, Mr. Snapping Turtle's poking his head up uh, above the water, and you're you got some of those paddle tails. What are you throwing at? Like, where are you trying to find these smallmouth down the river? Um, so sometimes smallmouth they hang out in moving water current. Other times they're holding tight to structure. If the water's still, I don't mess with still water. It makes no sense to me. Yeah. Um, so uh, believe it or not, man, they love the rapids. They'll go around those riffles and, and dart across there and chase stuff. So uh, let's say you got a riffle coming down. One of my favorite spots, a riffle comes down in a big old eddy right here, and the water kind of moves out this way. And I'll position my boat to where I'm right on the seam of that eddy and that riffle. And I will throw into the riffle and let it bring itself down naturally. So if you take a fluke, like a caffeine shad fluke, weightless on maybe a three or four-aught uh, offset hook, right? Throw it up there. Use your spinning reel. Throw it up there and just let the water bring it down. You'd be surprised how many times it'll get smashed coming down through the rapids. And then I work the seams real hard. So what I don't do is give it an unnatural presentation, right? You don't see bait fish swimming upstream. So if you're up above the riffle and you're casting down and bringing it up, that doesn't make any sense. There ain't no little two-inch bait fish is going to be able to handle that. Um, so I always bring it down with the water. I always bring it with the seams. I'm always hitting a lot of structure and I'm always watching the riverbanks. You have to watch the riverbanks because it could be subtle, but you're going to see something pop 
or move or twirl where you're going to see a beaver hole there and there'd be, you know, something laying around there. Um, you got to watch riverbanks and you got to, if you, if you look on the river and, uh, I take my paddle and I'll dip it down into the water actually. So if the water is just kind of moving and I don't know the depth, I'm going to test the depth. Normally it's going to be between two and four feet and little Miami is pretty shallow. I'll, I'll cover the, the touch and my paddle down, see the depth, and I'm going to look over to the riverbanks. And if I see any like rock that I see on the riverbank, I know that, that that's an underhanging rock. So the rock's going to be here, the water's going to be underneath there, and that's a prime spot for something to be hanging out. And so I'll try to skip over there, or I'll bring it, uh, I'll throw up past that rock, and then when, as soon as I get close to the rock, I slow down my reeling. Just, you know, just real slow. If anything's hiding under there, it could be a channel or a shovel or whatever, man, it's going to come out and, and pop it. So uh, crankbaits, I do like crankbaits, shad color crankbaits or anything brown, um, mm. brown and kind of bright. I do like those because they do, there's a lot of shad in the Little Miami River too. Um, so yeah, I'll bring those down. Just so start bouncing them off of everything. And you, the thing with river fishing, you can't be lose, you can't be scared to lose your stuff. And and also you don't need to bring your most expensive gear. Yeah. So you know some lures are like sixteen to twenty bucks. Leave those at home. Okay, is is the river? You don't need that stuff here. Um, so I, I usually go to Bass Pro and I'll buy all the cheapy stuff and I'll start working those. <laughs> and then I'll go to Vic Coomer and, and buy the Coomer baits because you can get those for four or five bucks for pack, you know. Uh, and just use your lead head, your round lead jig heads and stuff like that. So so you're uh, not throwing the jackhammer on the river? <laughs> you know, I don't own the jackhammer. I, I'm a Z-Man fanboy, but you're not going to you're not gonna see me pay $20 for, for a chatterbait. It's not. Yeah, gonna, same here. So, Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> yeah, I can't merit paying twenty dollars for a lure and then losing it on a log and not be able to get it back. Hey, um, so when I lost that chatterbait, uh, I had no idea that my P line or that my P line was frayed, right? And I just ring back and, and cast it. And as soon as I cast, it just broke and went sailing. Well, I was pissed because you know that was a that was a seven dollar freaking setup right there. And I'm like, damn. Okay. And I was I, so if I was mad about seven bucks, I'd be really mad about twenty bucks. Oh yeah. yeah. Hey, so I'm guessing you're using the Project Z. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, those are my favorite. Those are some of my favorite too. Absolutely. And then the original chatterbaits work good too, you know. Yeah, they are. They they're not too bad. I just for some reason I just like the hook on the Project Z. Yeah, one of my favorite things to do on the river too is if I see a big rock or something in the water, um, it, it the bigger the rock, the bigger the break it's gonna create, right? So if you have a big boulder like here, and the water is gonna go around it, it's not gonna go perfectly around it and then cut down. It's gonna create kind of like a uh, an eddy right behind that rock. So if you throw your bait upstream and you come and you bounce it off that rock, let's say it's curly tail grub, for instance, uh, motor oil with some flake in it, and you bounce it off that, that's going to catch any attention of any fish that's hiding behind that rock. And as soon as that that bait just floats past, so if you if you throw up and you reel down and you purposely hit that, just let your line go slack for a minute. Let the water do its thing naturally, and that fish will come out and just, pow, grab it. And it's gone. I love that. Yeah. That's so. awesome. Yeah, it's cool, man. Yeah, um, these aren't these aren't lake fish. Don't don't get it twisted. If if you're a lake guy, don't think you're going to the river and with all your bass lake gear and think you're going to slaughter the fish because you're going to get spanked. Oh. You're going to go home crying to your old lady because it's, it, it's it's not lake fishing. It's, yeah, it's definitely a different <laughs> game. I, I fished lakes growing up with my dad. Started river fishing in about 2012, I think, and I. I would go every like five trips, maybe catch one or two fish. I'm like, what is going on, man? So I, <laughs> I hit the forums and everything. And I, I started reading and reading and 
just learning, soaking everything in. I, I'm to the point now where like it's it's getting easier finding those fish on the river. Yeah, but those absolutely. first couple of years, man, it was it was rough. They're aggressive. The yeah, smallmouth bass on the river are aggressive. You wouldn't pull, they hit like freight trains. Even the smallest one, twelve inch, a twelve inch smallmouth bass on a river will feel like a seventeen or eighteen inch in a lake. You know? Oh yeah. So, yeah. Especially when they do those awesome like perfect ten aerials going all the way across right <laughs> the horizon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, That's what uh, I'm talking about. <laughs> and, and be prepared because just because you throw them for smallmouth, well, there's a lot of other species in that water. It's going to hit that same bait, especially flatheads. You know, oh, I've yeah. caught a flathead off a crankbait. <laughs> so it's Justin, uh, I think our... <laughs> Justin caught a uh, nice size catfish yesterday uh, fishing for smallmouth. Yeah, uh, pulled it out of the water. I don't know how big it was, but it was it was a good size. Yeah, I love catfish. I caught that pike uh, top water yesterday fishing in an area where I thought smallmouth would be. So. Yeah. yeah, you just never know what you're going to catch. I took John Graves the first time he ever went river fishing. I took him on, I think it was like a 10-mile trip. And uh, we went from Lake Isabella all the way down to Milford. Yeah. And he was, man, we we got about towards the end of that trip, and he was beat. I mean, he was beat. <laughs> I could they see it down. on his eyes. He was tired, man. You know, he's kind of talking slow, and I could just tell he's wore out. But he had a blast. You know, he, yeah. had, a, he had a really good time. And so there's, there's this one little secret spot. I love it so much because if you don't pay attention, you'll miss it. And, um, I made my, I was, I was kind of ahead of him and I made my way back through there. And, and one of the, you know, I, I really enjoy catching gar. A lot of people hate gar. They talk trash about gar, but gar is to me is one of the funnest fish ever. I think it's fun too. I just, you know, and what, one thing that makes them really cool is that they appear like ghosts, you know, they just, they, you don't see them and all of a sudden you to see this figure hover up to the top of the water then they're there <laughs> right it is the most awesome thing ever and so using that that same minnow i was talking about that you can get at bass pro for just a couple bucks i don't know the name of it but it's like a shallow diving jerk bait kind of thing um so i'll throw that out and i'll just let it sit on the water and i'll just wait because generally the guard like to hide out under the trees with shade and stuff like that and so and then i'll just slowly bring it to my bait or bring it to me, bring it to the boat. And then I see the guard chasing it and the guard will kind of snap at it. Right. And so both of them are right up at the top of the water column. And I just did this a couple of weeks ago. I'll, I'll send you a picture of it. And so, you know, once the guard is looking at it and I see the guard kind of lose interest and move away, I'll jerk it like that. And jar, <laughs> that guard comes back around, then it'll move close and then just snap on it, you know, and, awesome. and the, the one, and it's so cool because it's right there. You're inches away from it happening. And, and you get to see the interaction between the gar and the fish, and you get to see him bite down on it. And, and this gar I hooked, I think it was like 20-something inches. It wasn't huge by any means, but it was still cool. When he bit down on it, his mouth was – the sides of his, his mouth were so skinny that it actually got snagged in between the gap of the treble hook. So he wasn't hooked. It was just that when he, he went down, when he closed his mouth, and went between the gap, and the barb of the hook kept him from opening his – or kept it the, the treble from popping back off, so he was he was snagged more than he was hooked, right? But it, mm-hmm. it was it's kind of cool. It's hard to explain, but it was really cool. So I was able to bring him in the boat and that kind of stuff, you know. And and they're slimy, stinky fish, but they're a lot of fun. <laughs> Me and Zach went down that uh, stretch you mentioned before. I think it's about a Milford, right? Yeah, we went yeah. to Milford from Milford to Bass Island. Uh, okay, I couldn't remember which one it was, but me and him caught both caught our first gar on that trip. Yeah, I think. And then 
another time I, I, I was, I was fishing top water for smallmouth again on the little Miami. I ended up catching a gar on top water. Wow. Pulled it through the rapids towards me. It was the weirdest thing. I pulled it out. Yeah. That was weird. Generally, if you see a lot of, if you see big area, there's a lot of gar. You're not going to find really a lot of smallmouth around there. Yeah, I figured. Yeah. yeah. We didn't know so, much time. Right before you fish, they run off the other one. Yeah, they run off. Yeah. You're not going to hang out where an alligator's at, right? So. Same thing with turtles, it seems like. You see a lot of turtles in the area, there's no fish. Huh. There's no bass. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's you're, interesting. You're I've been the... carp fishing and cat fishing before at Stone Lake Lake, actually. And I remember a time where I would do good in the morning and uh, maybe catch a carp, a couple catfish. And then as soon as you saw those turtles moving into your area, because I would bait, you know, I would throw chum for the catfish and the carp. As soon as you saw them, the turtles move in, dude, the fishing was done. Oh, wow. <laughs> dude, Stone Lake's got so many carp. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's the first place I actually have ever paddled and was hitting hitting carp as I was paddling. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it was, that was insane. So that was that when me and you and uh, John went out. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I had, had them yeah. hitting my drive underneath. They would swim around, knock yourself inside of my, my yeah. flex drive and stuff. Yeah, it was crazy. Another question I had was uh, you were using your blue sky. I know John was out on the Hobie. Um, now, any kayaks with those those drives underneath, how well do they perform in the river? I would almost imagine some parts of those rivers would be too shallow for any kind of drive. Uh, well, that's, that's a great point. Um, John had brought his Hobie. He was going to bring his Wildy, his Wilderness uh, pedal drive, but then he brought his Hobie. And, and there's a couple, if you're not paying attention and you're in anything like a Hobie or anything that doesn't have a retractable drive, you really have to pay attention to you're in big trouble because it will shallow really fast on you. Yeah. And, and he did bend his, he bent his drive. Um, wow. And so he was able to bend it back, thankfully. But we're talking about lucky crankbait Johnny. I mean, it sounds, oh, it sucks. He, he bent it before and he just won a brand new thousand, yeah. whatever, <laughs> right? So he, he's fine, you know, and, and he brought his old drive, not his new one. So, and I, I did forewarn him and say, hey, if you take your Hobie, be careful because if you don't pull it out, you're trashed, you know, you're, you're going to get beat up. So uh, with anything like a Jackson that has a Jackson flex drive, it's not something you have to worry about um, because it's retractable. It's got like a skid plate and the, the, the rudders actually just sits above the skid plate. So anything that you hit is going to hit that plate and retract your drive up into the hull. So it, for, for me, it's not even a concern. You know, yeah, so that, I that Jackson a, props. Awesome. Yeah. Two bladed prop. And then the, uh, the retractable yeah. itself is, is phenomenal. So you got to think uh, even, um, we're talking about John and his Hobie. One of the things he mentioned, he's like, you can flutter the pedals and, and make the pedals, I guess, go flat. Is that yeah. Zach? You got one. Is that right? Yeah. But you still got something that's sticking out. I mean, there's still going to be something that you can actually tear up the Jackson. You don't have to worry about that. It's all the way up inside the hull. So there's, there's none of that and you don't have to stop pedaling. So you're pedaling, you hit something, the prop goes up into the hull. You clear what you're hitting. You slide whatever it hit a lever and go back down and keep pedaling again. And you're gone. I mean, it's, it's, and what an ingenious way to, um, to come up with something like that. That's, that's a perfect design for any kind of water application, you know? Yeah. So it works out real well. Wow. Well, Zach, you got any more questions? Uh, uh, we got a few minutes here left. Yeah. I know we, uh, sort of our, um, subject for the year right now is, uh, summertime fishing. 
What do you think those smallmouth are doing in the summertime? You think they're changing their patterns any for the rest of the year, or uh, do you have any thoughts on maybe summertime fishing the rivers or lakes? Um, like what are those smallmouth when the heat of the day is is burning down on them? They're usually going to hit for shade and cover. Yeah. Right, because shade's going to present the cool water, or they're going to move into the fast water because fast water is cooler water as yeah. well. But it, again, you know, my my smallmouth bass experience comes strictly from the Little Miami River, and I know that they're always going to be a current or shade or structure. Uh, it's a shallow river, so if it's hot, they're not going to bite. They're not going to feel like biting, right? But if it, the water's cool down, that's really you know the best time to fish. That's either morning or evenings. You know, if it's dead heat afternoon, you may get lucky and find one, but they're really not going to hit. So too much. Do they ever maybe move into the deeper water like they do in the wintering holes? Uh, yeah, the they will. They, they're um, uh, a large smallmouth bass on Little Miami River will have that uh, an entire area to itself because it's a mean sucker and it's going to chase off anything else. So, uh, you know, one thing I tell people: if you're throwing and you're not catching anything, there's a big one in that area. Right. Cool. So if you're throwing and you catch a lot of small ones, there's not a big one in that area. So then you got to figure out what's he want, how's he want it, you know, what time of day is it? Is the water too warm? Is the water too cold? Um, what's what's going on? Why isn't he hitting? You know, and then that's where you want to start searching for structure. You want to start changing your bait presentations. Make sure it's as natural as possible. So yeah, but yeah, the uh, time where uh, we go through a few weeks or months where we don't have a lot of rain. And I've seen that river real low, real low, running as fast as it normally does. And I would imagine those those fish would be down in the deeper holes, trying to find holes in that situation. Well, yes and no, because some of the stretches, um, if if there's a deep hole that's attached to skinny water, yes. But if that smallmouth is trapped in skinny water and doesn't have access to a deep hole, then the answer is no. So that's really kind of subjective. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So let's say you have a skinny pool from rapid A to rapid B. Well, it can't get through the rapids maybe because the rapids are too shallow, right? So it's stuck in that area. So then you want to start looking for structure, underbank opening, stuff like that. So it's it's kind of a hard question to answer. Just generally fish will go deeper when the water warms up to cool down. Um, They'll go under ledges. They're going to go over river banks. They're going to go under structure, wherever they're going to find it's cooler or moving fast water. so they can cool down because the water is always faster as it moves or it's always cooler as it, as it uh, moves faster. So good thing about the river is it never really gets above like 80 degrees anyway. I noticed. Exactly. So yeah. that's not too I big. Love of an issue. Guys are definitely the river guys. Uh, I've been on, I've been on the river a few times with Brad. Um, I mainly stick to lakes, but I like to do the river runs too. You know, don't make, get me wrong, but I'm, that's still a uh, field of learning for me right now. Is uh, learning the, the the rivers around here. I challenge well, anybody to go out to the river. I mean, one of some of the best experiences I've ever had in my entire life fishing have come from the river, and not necessarily from the fish itself. Like, like this one, uh, I think I maybe I posted this a few months ago. My my the big rig I had at the time was on this embankment, right? It was going like this, and I was pulling it down. Um, so when I, when I got on the water. It was one of the one of the mornings where the water was cooler than the air temperature, so it was like this fog raising up, right? And I was I just got on the water and I was just getting my gear in order and I was just drinking some coffee. And the, the sound of the water, the smell, the smell is like a real earthly earthy smell, you know. Um, the sound of the water, the birds, um, um, the smell of the water. Then all of a sudden these deer come down 
and it wasn't just like a couple adult deer. It was like a, a mom and dad and, you know, a bucket of doe and a bunch of little um, baby deer. And they came out. And so the deer were just playing in the water, running around. And the other two uh, grown deer were, were drinking the water and stuff like that. And I was like, man, what a cool view this is. And I have uh, I have a video of that, too. But then they just started running across the water playing. And I'm like, this is something you don't see every day. You know, you got to if you're I challenge everybody to wake up early, you know, get on the water at 5 a.m. Let the sun come up and just stop. Just mm-hmm. don't fish. Just stop and, and soak it all in and, and look at what's going on around you. Listen and, and the smells and the sounds and the sights and just man, it, it'll it'll change you. It'll change your life. Absolutely. I oh, think yeah. people get so caught up in tournament fishing and being a presence on social media and trying to get sponsors and people forget that, man. It's yeah. fishing. It's like you said, it's going out there on the water when the steam is rolling up off the water and you hear the birds chirping, you hear Mr. Bullfrog croaking. I mean, that's what it's all about for me. That's what I love the most about it. It's the adventure. Of oh yeah. Yeah. Going to new places, seeing new sites and, like we were just at Paint Creek a few weeks ago, and those uh, big stone walls and giant boulders coming out the side of the hills, and little waterfalls, and sitting there just taking a moment to to listen to the waterfall flowing. And absolutely, and a lot of people we need to we need to remember that that's the reason why we're getting out on the water. Mm-hmm. Whether you catch a fish or you catch a hundred fish or you go home skunked, man, it was still a quality day on the water, getting your mind right. Absolutely. That is definitely why I'm a river guy. I, yeah. I think the river is the best opportunity to offer all what you just said. Yeah. So. Awesome. Yeah, the Little Miami River doesn't offer. There's there's some big smallmouth. It doesn't offer the biggest and best quality smallmouth, um, but it it does offer. For me, it's something I I, I posted on on Facebook. It's something spiritual. Something just draws me there. It, it connects to me, kind of resets me, uh, reminds me of my place, kind of in the world. You know. It's, mm-hmm. It, you know, I have a corporate career that I do during the day and then, you know, this, this fishing hustle and all this stuff I do. And for me, it's just, it reminds me to just breathe, breathe, man, take it all in because at the end of the day, you're here because of this, because of what's around you and, yeah. and, and the running water, you know, that I don't, one of my favorite movies is a river runs through it. I don't know if you guys ever seen that uh, phenomenal movie. It's phenomenal. And, you know, I love watching that movie every year because it just kind of reminds you, man, slow down breathe enjoy what you're doing and just fish forget about the facebook forget about the sponsorships forget about being on the teams forget about the kind of kayak you're in you know forget about craps going on at home or the craps going on at your job or forget about it all man and just let it go just breathe listen and relax and that's what it's about man and that's that's why i'm hooked to it you know deeper in therapy <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. absolutely absolutely so i got one more question that me and brad try to ask all our guests and that's what's your craziest fishing story? I mean, what's the funniest, interesting? Oh man, <laughs> what the f kind of story? You know what I mean? Well, I yeah. think we already heard that at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> yeah, that that was definitely probably it right there. I mean, that's <laughs> you know when you when you try to get out for the first time and go kayaking and it almost kills you. You know, yeah. <laughs> well, um, you have like a funny story at least. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, me and a couple of buddies were fishing the lake, and, and this didn't happen to me, but it was something I w- witnessed happen to them, right? So it was, it was four buddies, and me and, a, and another buddy 
we're kind of separate separate from my other two friends so you imagine we're on the lake i'm like over here my one buddy's here my two other buddies are right here beside each other and so and we're catfishing and this dude's rod goes down it's gone right in in the drag thing and and so he gets up and sets the hook or sets the uh, hook but when he does it he somehow he left his clicker open or his bail open so when he <laughs> set the hook it just backlashed and just holding nasty thing. <laughs> and so my friend that's right beside him runs over he's here let me help you let me help you and it's it, so it's like the two stooges trying to figure out what the hell is going on they got this big catfish on the end of the line and so finally they just start reeling birds nest and all they start reeling it in <laughs> and then the reel stops working right it's so bird nest that they can't reel it anymore and they have a 30 pound channel head on the end of the line and so my friend starts grabbing the line starts bringing it in <laughs> it's and so you know they finally get it towards the bank and this my buddy holds the pole and is grabbing the line my other buddy's trying to net the damn thing and he couldn't get the net under it knock the hook out and there went the fish i was like oh. you gotta be good man so it was like this 15 minute <laughs> cluster and it's still something it happened probably 15 years ago and it's something i still think is absolutely funny you know watching the that two dudes so yeah it was just like a you know comedian hour there it was great man. that was before cell phones so you couldn't get a video of it yeah so we had the nokias you know what yeah I mean? yeah so back then but yeah it was great that was probably my funniest fishing moment and then the scariest was me you know so yeah. my first father's day the first time i was ever a dad i was losing my life on father's day yeah so, well, yeah. well, I know me and Zach both uh, appreciate you coming on and talking with us. Yeah. It's been fun, and we've Absolutely. been wanting to get you on for a while. So, yeah, we'll have to do it again sometime, man. We can talk. Uh, we need to have a river outing. We oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, you're a great guy, man, and you're a good friend. I've had a lot of fun kayak with you, and hopefully, we do some more trips this summer. And uh, hopefully, we have you on the show again, man. Uh, yeah, we can talk about blue sky, crazy adventures, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. So, uh, who do we have on next? Uh, Rob Orr is next, and uh, he I love that guy. About doing that podcast on his boat on East Fork. <laughs> okay, yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to. Work, we might try to make it work. <laughs> well, we'll we'll set it up. So ne- next week, I think it's going to be all about hybrid fishing. So, yeah. oh, he's definitely the guy, dude. He he's the hybrid master. I mean, he's yeah. Like, I've been to his house, and I've been fortunate enough to see you know his setup and and when you walk into his house it's like walking in a bass pro it'll blow your mind <laughs> i mean this guy you knows it. so much yeah he's a very he's... secretive guy though um yeah but he might be kind of reluctant and giving away a lot of information but i'm hoping we can talk a, a little bit about you know the hybrid fishing maybe some catfish and maybe he can share some some secrets with us yeah he hates all time. other species if it's not a hybrid he doesn't <laughs> like them so yeah, he's yeah. a good guy, man. He's he's a great guy. He's a conversationist, so he definitely carry on conversation with you and educates you. And he's he's a super cool dude, man. A lot of that's definitely what Steve we're here Coomer for. Coming up too. What's that? We got Steve Coomer coming up here in a few weeks too. We're gonna talk about yeah. Little Miami River um, um, conservation. Talk about his yeah conservation. Talk about yeah. his book talk about Vic Coomer lures. I think that'd be an awesome episode. He's a good guy too, man. Steve's Steve's great, and and what a you know that individual's done so much for our little miami river and our waterways and and bringing it awareness and stuff like that so uh speaking of it uh it's looking like september 14th is going to be the rerun for our river tournament our first annual little miami river smallmouth bass tournament so the 14th uh, the reason i'm picking the 14th is because that's the same day as a 12-hour online buckeye kayak fishing trail smallmouth tournament 
So whatever you catch on our tournament, you can, it will count for theirs oh, as well. Man. Double awesome. up. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. So Brad, I'll be getting with you, uh, getting the team together and, and uh, get some things rolling there. So Sounds good. All right. Well, I guess we'll end it here. So yeah. seems yeah. like a perfect spot to end it. And we appreciate you coming on. Yeah, no for listening, guys. More to come. <laughs> Woo! All right, we'll have a new episode for you guys next Monday. Have a good one. Yep. All right, y'all. Take care, man.